this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your latest edition of Woke Bros. I'm your host, Big Waz. Alongside, as always, my compadre, my partner in crime, Michael Jamal, Shabazz, Abdul Brooks. And we got a special guest today, my brother from the mailbag. You know him from the mailbag and various other counted dings entities. That's that's my man, Tony Mays. What's up, Mays? What's going on, y'all? I'm, I'm wide awake to talk with you boys. That's good. Um, so on today's show, we're going to talk Eddie Murphy's semi-little comeback. Uh, he did a little presser with the New York Times where, you know, he divulged some things. We're going to get into that. Of course, we're going to get into what's up, what's been on everybody's mind lately with the impeachment inquiry. We're going to talk about the latest happenings with that, including our president just tweeted a meme that includes a cold play, not cold play, but Nickelback. Um, I don't know if you guys have saw it. It's, <laughs> this guy is truly no. un, unreal. Um, that's a that's a very high caliber poster we're dealing with. I mean, and then, of course, we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders. You know, his campaign, he recently went to the hospital for a procedure. We're just going to get a little bit into that. But first, of course, Mays, Eddie Murphy um, actually gave an interview. He doesn't do interviews much, but, you know, um, he's got this movie, this Dolomite movie coming out. He's going to do a Netflix special, a comedy hour, which he hasn't done in decades. Um, And uh, most people don't realize this, but... Whenever you want to get an Oscar, you actually have to run an actual campaign, like go to parties, do press, shake hands, kiss babies of all the people that are involved in, you know, nominating you and ultimately giving you a victory in the Oscars. And Eddie Murphy has decided that he wants to do that for this movie. So he's out and about and he's talking to people. And what he did on the Times maze was (laughs) he expressed regret for a lot of his home um, homophobic stuff from his earlier work in the 80s. Um, I just thought it was fascinating, when, especially when you consider like the moment that we're in with cancel culture and, and you know, just just where we're at right now, historically. Um, what do you think when you saw those Eddie comments? Well, first of all, so you think he's, he's trying to get an Oscar for the Dolomite movie? 100%. Because we already gave him an Oscar 13 years ago, Waz. You can't do this. We can't, like, resuscitate his career again <laughs> another 13 years later and give him another statue. Well, he did he win for um, Dreamgirls? Yeah, he or was did. He, oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's running, Maze. Like, this is why he's doing all of this. He wants to be nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Oh, that's my fault. He was just nominated. He won the Golden Globe. That's my bad. So I guess go. you're right. He's hungry. He wants that that trophy. He's going to try to do it for a Netflix movie directed by Craig Brewer, of all people, who has a history with the Academy because he, of course, directed Hustle and Flow. But the comments I found, it's it's definitely PR driven. He's trying to get ahead of the game here. 
Yeah. And I'm not here for it. I am strongly in the camp that art should be separated from the artist. And in a comedy special that's as good as raw and delirious were, <laughs> there's no need to backtrack and apologize. Like, who's asking for this? I, I didn't get it. I think I, I don't know, man. Like he said that he was getting picketed up up until 1996, even at stuff that he was doing behind the comments. Um, for me, because he calls the comments ignorant. He said he was in a bad place at the time, getting over a breakup. So he was just an angry guy. I don't I, I don't know. I, I don't some some of these public apologies. I'm not really sure who it's for. Right. Um, those people whose feelings that he hurt all those years back, uh, I don't know that they're like placated by this. Uh, and like you said, it does feel like he's doing this for P. Obviously, he's doing it for PR purposes. Um, but I'm just saying, like, what should we even do? Right. Like, Mike, like, how are we supposed to handle people from another that are of a different era and we got them on tape saying bad things like what are we just supposed to hold this against them for the rest of their lives like i'm of the mind that like yeah i think it was whack what he said it's pretty hurtful and strong language if you go back and listen or watch the the those two comedy specials but I, am i supposed to hate eddie murphy for the rest of my life i don't i don't feel that way yeah, I mean, but you know my perspective on these things generally, right? Which is that, I mean, part, especially when you deal with something like Eddie, which I think it's very interesting because I think, you know, some people definitely, even back when these specials came out, obviously, you know, people, gay people obviously would have a problem. And there was probably like a relatively small amount of, you know, very like, it wasn't the the same the cultural equivalence of the people now that will write all of the lazy takes about why like Dave Chappelle's new special is unacceptable or whatever. Their um, forebearers in the 1980s watched these specials and thought it was hilarious because that was not you know that wasn't the the comfortable accepted wisdom at the time. So I think that you know and I and I just want to make that distinction because I think that it's like this this culture of canceling and perfectionism you know it starts from like it starts in the margins of people you know actually articulating things that are really you know reflecting really big societal problems and then it you know morphs into what it is now which is basically like just at least conventional media culture, right? I mean, the funny thing with the Chappelle special is that a lot of people wrote the same kind of like tired take about how his standup was bad, but it's like rating amongst on, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or whatever amongst the audience is really high. But I guess my bottom line just real quick is I just think like we got to deal with the complexity of things, right? Like you, I rewatched Raw recently it's objectively, of course, it's homophobic. It's it's wild. It's also an incredible, hilarious piece of standup. And it's, by the way, ignorant and insightful and smart and stupid in a whole bunch of different ways. And so I think for, to some extent, you need to separate, like, not only the art from the artist, but you also need to accept sometimes that Art can be uncomfortable, maybe not even have a redeemable message, but actually be achieving things in its own terms. And then as far as his apology, I mean, look, I think it's cool anytime somebody wants to apologize in a, you know, a sincere way um, or even just like express, hey, I didn't want to hurt anybody or whatever. It to me and, and he has done this several times before, but to some extent it's. It's interesting because it seems somewhat calculated on his part. And it's also funny to me that this is one where like the kind of arbiters are accepting on like, oh, you know what? Eddie gets it. And it's like, well, why can't we all just be honest that it, except for like the most hardened people, everybody just wants to see Eddie Murphy come back. So we're choosing <laughs> to say this one is cool. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like there's just a lot of hypocrisy in all of it. I think that we just need to just kind of all sit 
with the contradictions because, you know, I mean, that's life, to be honest. And the other thing that the, the part of the elephant in the room, if you will, is that that complicates this just a little bit is that he was arrested mm-hmm. for having a, um, a, a, a prostitute in, in his car. Uh, way back in the day, well, he was, he was, his car was stopped and a known prostitute was in his car. And that woman happened to be a transgender woman. Um, and, and that, that incident, which conveniently is around that he hasn't done, he hasn't done a comedy special since, like he hasn't really quote unquote faced the public, so to speak, since it kind of looms over all of this, right? Like when you pair that that scandal, if you will, from from the 90s with the crazy shit he was saying about gay people in his specials, it makes it so, so much more fraught. And it's, you know, and it's one of those things that nobody wants to ask you about in a New York Times interview. Right. Um, particularly when you're just trying to hawk your new movie and everybody's happy that you're back. Um, I just frankly think that's a much more interesting conversation than the idea of quote unquote canceling somebody as famous and rich as Eddie Murphy is, uh, you know, so, you know, it's hard for me to get worked up about the nuances or the lack of nuance of his apology. Uh, I, I, I just think that's just funny real quick. Like that people will say like, look, there is something here that is really problematic in the culture of trying to just do purifications all the time. And instead of focusing on complexity and evolution, just trying to say, oh, no, you're done, you're done, you're done. Like, that's a problem. But one of the funny things is, is that some of the people who write, like, you know, cancel culture is a myth that doesn't exist. They point to incredibly successful and insulated entertainers. And so, like, I, I just saw this one that was really funny where this writer like some columnist for like a newspaper in Iowa, right? Like someone with no profile or real clout tweeted the New Republic article saying cancel culture was a myth. And then they got fired eight hours later because somebody like dug up a tweet that somebody didn't like. It was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Like, and I think that also is like, that's another reason though why maybe like the Eddie dimension is a little bit ridiculous because it's like, you know, it, it isn't going to stop Eddie. And what are we really asking for and talking about here? Because actually, even on the level of like saying, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't want to hurt people. I'm, I, he's actually said that going back at least like eight or nine years. And frankly, to be honest with you, probably when it was more relevant, you know, yeah. like probably when it was not just standard practice and maybe a bit more sincere. Well, I wonder if it'll give him some sort of like preemptive armor here. You know, he's going to get through this this press cycle for these upcoming projects because he's preemptively apologizing. I mean, I am willing to also believe that he has changed. He is a 58 year old man with 10 children now. So I do buy that there has been some sort of shift in the way that he looks at things. The thing that I'm worried about, especially with this comedy special, is that he might not be funny anymore. (laughs) Like, that's the thing I'm more concerned about in terms of the stand-up. I think this Dolomite movie looks pretty good. Coming to America 2 is going to be very interesting to see what happens there, but I think there's enough other talented people attached to these projects that they'll still be good. The SNL hosting will be super interesting because he's had some very bad feelings about that place over the years. But he also says in this article that he's going to play the hits and he's going to do, you know, he's going to do Gumby and he's going to do Mr. Robinson and he's going to do all that stuff again and buckwheat. So just that alone will be entertaining enough, you know? So it'd be funny. He comes out at Silent live and the first thing he does is the first five minutes of delirium. (laughs) 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 He should come out with an ice cream cone for sure. You wanted this. No, I'm talking though. The first, I know what you said. (laughs) (laughs) He should do the ice. Well, the thing that's funny is that, is that that's the flip side of Eddie Murphy though. Right. Is that, you look at some of the stuff and, you know, 
yeah, like it is. I mean, on, like there is some of the stuff is just dated, right? That isn't even like a political claim. And comedy is very hard to stay current, I think. But what's amazing is that a lot of that other stuff, the Saturday Night Live characters with the ice cream bit or like those things are pretty timeless. Like you, I mean, that's, that is one of the reasons he's great in the uh, comedians in cars with Seinfeld, which I actually watched the one he did with Eddie Murphy and the little riff Eddie Murphy did on uh, the music or lack of music that Mike Tyson came out to before he boxed. The wit- it's just like a one minute little like random thing in the car, but watching Eddie do that made me think like, oh, okay, this isn't just Dr. Doolittle. This guy is still crazily funny. Yeah, and that's where he first said that he wanted to get back into stand up was on that that's yep. that episode with, with Jerry. And people have been hinting at that for years, right? Like Chris Rock, Chappelle, a bunch of people who who are friends with 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 him and 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 talk to him all the time have been saying for years, like, "Yo, he's gonna come back. He's gonna come back. He's gonna come back." And you know, it's finally happened. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's this is America. We Tyson thing real quick. You guys remember that? Did you guys see the Mike Tyson thing with, on the Seinfeld thing? I saw the Seinfeld thing. I I vaguely remember him talking yeah, about Mike. Yeah, he talked about how Tyson came out to like like some type of like sinister note. Like not even like a full piece of music, which right. actually does sounds amazing. And then Eddie, you know, he does like the perfect Tyson. He's just like, I just just give me one solid note. He's my aesthetic role model. No robe, hole in the towel, no stool, no logos on the shorts. Well, nothing for no socks. Just coming out to yeah. and the all-time best ring interest music. He would come out to one note. Really? One ominous note. There's no song playing. It's like a for him to even come up with that, because you're the one that says I want my music to be. For him to go, just give me one solid, <laughs> one solid note. And that shit would make you feel like something a monster was coming in the room. It was. Boom. <laughs> that was stupid. I was like, this is all right, this is gonna be good. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, man. Like, he's been doing this forever, right? Like, he could make almost anything funny. Granted, he's done some pretty terrible movies, you know, over the years. He's had some some misses out there. But, like, he's – I mean, it's hard to to overstate the guy's talent. He's easily at least one of the three most talented comedians we've ever set our eyes upon, right, as a viewing public. Think of the movie thing, though. Like, yes, he's done a lot of really, like, some just totally awful movies. But, like, he's done a few – he's done actually some really good movies. And I wonder, like, like, Chris Rock is an incredible comedian, and basically all of his movies are not good. Right. And nobody thinks that that undermines his stand-up. So, like, why do people think that that undermines Eddie as a comedian, that he's done bad movies? Like, is it because we have a higher expectation because he has done Coming to America or 48 Hours? I think they're just higher-profile projects. He's he's always kind of trying to make that comedy blockbuster, and he's just unkillable. He just keeps coming back every year for the most of the 90s and the early 2000s. He just wouldn't stop working, and he was always in our face. Whereas Chris Rock you know he picks his spots and i actually thought top five was pretty good michael brooks no top five is a, no top five is a, actually a good movie but i think that that was like the first yeah like, seriously that literally like everything else that i've seen chris rock do because i've seen chris rock like okay this is going to be the chris rock like you know mega comedy vehicle it's not good oh no chris is really more of like kind of a cerebral artist type he's going to do a remake of a french comedy not good Okay, Chris is just going to be silly. Not good. Top five was the first movie that I saw that it was just like pound for pound. This is a good movie. Good Chris Rock project. I don't. I can't really think of another besides that, except for I, I think you CB4. Know, um, well, that's actually what I was going to say. If you go to the completely opposite end, CB4 is hilarious. In some it's way. it's prophetic. Yeah. It's, crazy good that's true that's true so yeah no you know just to wrap a ball on this eddie stuff i think everybody loves a good comeback and a redemption story um you know i i I think i've so far i've heard the movie's pretty good i don't think it's like knocking people off their socks but it's a pretty good enough entertainment product 
I'm eagerly awaiting the Netflix special because, you know, I just think the guy is just a one of a kind and a generational talent. And we're lucky that he, you know, he's decided to fucking work again. Yeah, I agree. Let's get into this impeachment inquiry. Um, we were off last week due to um, health issues, but we're back and we're strong. And obviously, this has been on everybody's mind. The House has finally, formally started. But you know what's so funny about this, Mike? Is that it is the, like, basically most basic function that they could do, right? Like, the least bit that they could do and it's already kicking up shit. You understand what I'm saying? Like, all they had to do was be like, all right, we're starting an inquiry into whether or not this is even a good idea or not. And they're kicking up shit. And it's like, these the months of hand-wringing and, and um, you know, just back and forth and waffling and Pelosi being utterly politically cowardice. Like, holy moly, all they, they finally did this. And guess what, Mike? It's people in their districts telling them, yo, this shit is bullshit. We want to see this happen. Other congressmen, people being like, yo, I'm about to get primaried behind this shit. Let's finally just make this shit happen. Um, it's just <sighs> the Dems, man. They, they, like, they just don't know how to win. I'm, I'm happy this is finally happening. And, you know, I want to talk about a little bit later. I, and I, I, I'm not going to be mad that this will have the side effect of completely obliterating Joe Biden and getting him the fuck about the paint, um, which is just a happy coincidence for me. But like the, the Dems in there just like, oh, you know, we do this with a heavy heart. Oh, my goodness. It's so annoying. Yeah, man. I mean, look, it's very I always make this point, but it's always true that I'm always sitting and looking at this. And one point, you know, as someone really from the left and someone who's disgusted by the Democratic Party leadership for their corporate oriented policies, for things like Pago, for not, you know, for just not in any way really being the advocates of poor people, of the neglected people, of the people that need it. Um, And then on the other hand, also being a critic of like, you know, theoretically, we could, you know, have very different politics, but you guys could stop being fucking wuss bags and actually go and and go in for the jugular. And like, you know, I've always had I've had mixed feelings about impeaching Trump because in some ways I thought like, look, you know, anything that the Democrats do can backfire because they're Democrats then there's like how Trump can use this to harness his own base. Then there's like, are, you know, are we going to have six months of talking about these, you know, Ukraine phone calls instead of talking about health care, which is could be a problem. But, you know, I've also another way. But, you know, that's that's my concerns. I actually thought there was a lot of really good reasons for impeaching him. And what's incredible to me, you know, institutionally and strategically and so on. But what's just incredible to me is like. One, what it shows you is like on one hand, my concerns are 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 assuaged. Like it, anything that makes him this upset and this worried is and takes up this much time is fucking great. And then on the other hand, as is always the case when you're concerned about Nancy Pelosi and Democratic leaderships, you're vindicated because what is the first thing that they do? Like first they drag their heels on this shit forever. Then they finally take action and the polls go up for it because the truth is, is that a lot of politics really is just showing. Making the fucking case, Mike. Making the case. But then what do they do? Like, oh, well, this is just going to be a route about this Ukraine thing. Now, we could talk more about the Ukraine thing some other day, but I got to say, like, that is not like it's it's not like you have an opportunity for several months to rack up legal bills to threaten people with going to jail if they don't testify. You could be talking about his taxes. You could be talking about all of this shit, not to mention the stuff that they won't do, but they should do like backing the genocide in Yemen, kidnapping children. Why, why don't they do a set like, Hey, 
what about all the Saudi officials that are staying at your hotels? Thank you. <laughs> like, selling them fucking weapons to murder bro. children in Yemen. They could do all of this shit. But no, no. Okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. But the only thing we're going to talk about is this relatively small bore shit, which incidentally, and it's just like Hillary Clinton. There's a conspiracy theory about Joe Biden, which isn't true. But there's a broader truth, which is like, yeah. His kind of corny that your son was sitting son, on this board. And that's how the that's the swamp, by the way. Yep. So we have another example of a fucking Democratic mega hack that Trump will mix together truth, lies and conspiracies. And then by the time the whole thing is done, I think a whole bunch of people just fucking burned out on it. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck all of you. And, you know, I think Hillary Clinton is instructive here in the reverse in that that shit worked on her. You know, like like when people say, why did we run such an unpopular candidate? This is why she was unpopular. They drug her name through the mud in public forever and they never stopped. Even with stupid shit like Benghazi, they they dragged that on for years just so that they could have something in the public domain. Like, yo, we're investigating this lady again. Again, she's under investigation. Like, it's you've seen the playbook work against you over and over and over again. So I don't understand why they would be so averse and just like, no, fuck that. This investigation stalls. Open another fucking one up. <laughs> I'm sorry. This thing works. It works. And just like you mentioned, Mike, not even to steal your point, but that it gets him so worked up and off his game. He's not talking about, you know, um, fucked up trade deal shit that normal people like you know what i'm saying like he won't be talking about that anymore he's gonna be talking about this and defending a lot of his stupid actions and again he's done he's committed about a tr- like literally dozens if not you know dozens of impeachable infractions since he's taken office in january in 2017 there's just no two ways about that like it's just a fucking fact at this point um the idea that you're just gonna be like no it's just the ukraine thing where he asked the foreign government to be his aide and taking down a dude who he's by the way <laughs> the funniest part about this mike is that he's projecting joe biden to be the democratic candidate so he's like he thinks he's getting out ahead of it not knowing that joe biden is a scrub and is gonna fuck himself up regardless um that's the that's the best part about this ukraine call it's like we gotta get biden he's he's the biggest threat is like I, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> I think Joe Biden's gonna do a good enough job at not beating you on his own. Um, but yeah, man, it's just it's just sad just watching Pelosi and the leadership, man, the corporatist wing of the Democratic Party operate in such just lack of vision, lack of imagination, just just crazy. Like again, you know, I want to give Nancy Pelosi credit for doing what's ultimately the right thing, and it's her job, by the way. It's what she gets paid to do: checks and balances and all that jazz. Um, we spent more time, and I and this is an objective comment. Forget my politics, and obviously, I don't like her. Whatever, she has spent more time trying to control and contain. Ilan Omar, as an example, and holding Trump in check. And that's just the truth. And now, even as you see this whole process happen, I mean, a couple of days ago on CNN, honestly, like it was like casual racism meets like Stalin picture erasing. They did a fucking video, a segment on these five um, white women, moderate Democratic congressmen. They called them the impeachment caucus. Was I swear to God. I mean, first of all, you know, first of all, housekeeping, Rashida Tlaib said impeach the motherfucker. Al Green has had a motion to impeach him going back, I think, since before the midterms. And Maxine Maxine Waters Waters was on it the day he got elected. (laughs) The day he got elected. So and these five women was and maybe I shouldn't say this because I do this professionally. I don't know who they were. It's not even just like, you know what, I guess I'm aware that they played this blah, 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 but they weren't, you know, like they're behind Rashida, Al and Maxine. It's like, I don't know who these women are. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't admit that. I literally don't know who they were. (laughs) That is fantastic. But, you know, again, it's, it's indicative, man. And I love the. 
the victory lap too of just like look at us we're so br-. it's just like come on man y'all some backbenchers y'all not leading the charge y'all not doing any of that stuff and right all of the people who were couching there well i'm deeply troubled by like uh, that shit was just corny so i don't want to hear it now that you're finally in lockstep with what the only man the only wing of the party with any true vision and i wanted to say when you mentioned um and i say this shit in this space all the time when you mentioned um the polls for impeachment going up after they they started the inquiry because it's basically them making the case for it um the only wing of the party that's generating any ideas making the case for shit like medicare for all making the case like shit for shit like free college tuition is that progressive wing of the party they're the only ideas portion of the party nancy pelosi and her ink joe biden and them they're not the ideas portion they're not the ones who are constantly making the case for stuff that we need to be doing for people in this country so it's just it just irks me when these backbenchers come out and you put them on CNN and be like, look at these five congresswomen. They're so brave. They like these are the most politically just scared people in the entire party. Year after year, it's those moderates. So I don't understand why they why they get to go on TV and parade and be like, yo, we're so brave, we're so this, we're so that. It's you know, it's just annoying. The leadership. They're kind of proving everybody's point, man, with how they hand, like just day by day, how they handle most of this shit. They've proven everybody's the progressive wing of the party's point. It's just like you guys are out of touch and you don't know what the fuck you're doing. But, you know, they're, they're, they're failing. They're failing backwards into, you know, the right thing, because I do think this impeachment stuff is going to hurt him very badly. Yeah, I think I think that yeah, I really I get more and more confident about it and. uh you know, like, let's just, you know, now it's like, let's let's play it right. And, you know, it's baked into the cake. But of course, Pelosi won't. But, um, you know, it's it's still a point on the board and watching them scramble is a good thing. Um, let's just talk real quick. Um, I, you know, today I got up, checked the news, saw that Bernie Sanders had a blocked artery and had uh, stints put in. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, (laughs) there's very few people in politics, you know, that I was, I I like the dude. What can I say? You know, like every human being is not perfect, but as far as I'm concerned, like you have a 78 year old man who is putting in more work than almost anybody on earth. And the upshot of that work is you get health care. We get rid of billionaires. We do something about the climate. I mean, he is fucking trying and he's tried for 40 years and he's gone through every cycle. And I got to tell you, like, you know, there's people that, you know, to me, like they've come into politics in the last year or two in this and in a, in a context where it's actually, there's some trendiness around having some social democratic policies. And I don't even like, I don't think they ride even as hard as Bernie did, frankly, for decades when, you know, he was the one holding the torch for everything. The only one talking about poor people and so on. So, you know, look, I actually think, to be honest with you, like the more I've read about it, it seems like honestly, like it's a it's really not a big deal from like a health perspective. I mean, clearly someone needs to force that man to take a week off to simply sleep and relax and chill. And obviously, you know, it's a punishing schedule for anybody. But, you know, I, I think the I think the thing is, is how it will play politically. Although, to be honest with you, I think if he gets back on the trail and everything is normal, um, this is something people can end up forgetting about. But I do just kind of think, you know, like especially as we get into the phase now where, you know, you know, all of the hating and all of the lying about him and his supporters and all of the garbage on MSNBC, you know, it's like, can people just take one second and just be like, shit, like this dude is crisscrossing the fucking country. He's trying to, you know, end the genocide in Yemen. He got Amazon to raise people's wages. He's sitting with McDonald's workers like He's fucking doing it, man. And even and especially even after 2016, 
went up against the establishment, you know, did everything he could to try to, you know, save the election from Trump, including even campaigning for Hillary Clinton, even as he represents a completely different version of politics than her. He could all, by all rights, you know, if he wanted to be be sitting down with his family. And I got, and again, like, you know, in order to run for president, whatever, everybody's got ego, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure people in, you know, there's aspects of the game that are fun. There's aspects that really aren't fun. But he is a mission-driven politician in a way that you just can't say of anybody else in modern politics. Yeah. And, you know, everybody who listens to this show enough understands that you and I are both literally in the tank for Bernie. Um, We're rooting for the guy. We love the guy. We want to see him gain the Democratic nomination as well as the presidency. And this, you know, this doesn't shake me and my confidence in Bernie being the right guy for the job at all. And, you know, and mostly, Mike, it's because if 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 Donald Trump's election was the expression of the will of the American people to the extent that it even was a Bernie Sanders um, election would be just that, too. Um, whatever anybody wants to say, this guy is running on shit that he actually believes. He's clear about it. There's nobody, there's no confusion about where this dude stands. And so his election would be the manifestation of the expression of the American people, bro. Like, this is what we want. This is what we believe in. That's what his election would mean. All of those things you previously stated, right? Um, benefits and wage increases for for those hardworking folks at Amazon factories, um, you know, people that work at Walmart and McDonald's, like just regular people, regular job, those people earning a decent, honest living wage for the hard work that they do every day, right? Be able to put a roof over their heads and feed their families and go to the hospital when them or their kids are sick. Like, this is what this guy is fighting for. Um, that's what his his candidacy means. Like, there's just no two ways about it, right? Like, there was a way where back in 2015 and 16 when Hillary was running for president, right? Like, she could she could claim that her <laughs> her campaign was about a glass ceiling and a shattering of it, and you know the empowerment of women. Like, to the extent that any of that was true, I, you know, I don't want to rehash or relitigate any of that but it could be argued right like we could argue about what hillary clinton means to the glass ceiling and 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 how feminist is she really and blah 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 like with bernie there's no argument like we know what this man stands for we know what his candidacy what his campaign is about um and it's about all of those things it's about working class people so to me, what he's doing is the the single most important shit that anybody's doing in politics, probably in my life, to be quite honest. And I say that as a black person and, you know, Barack Obama being our first black president, like his candidacy is about working class people and making their lives a bit better, a bit more manageable on a day to day basis. I don't know. It doesn't get any more spiritual than that for me, man. No, I, I'm with you 100 percent. And I just think. You know, it's also to me like that is why all of the, you know, all of the lies and all of the trash about him that you see, you know, on MSNBC or CNN or all a bunch of, you know, endless like whack mediocre pundits and, you know, just like whatever, uh, you know, writers and people kind of like always looking for a reason to hate him or whatever, especially if they claim progressive politics, but have whatever kind of weird shit they have with him. And and honestly, I mean, sometimes I really do start to think some of it might be anti-Semitism at times, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I really do. Because so much of it is just so fucking fake and such nonsense. It's like, all right, whatever, you know, and especially like if if we're going to apply any of the same standards that's applied to him and his supporters, then all of that shit is anti-Semitic. But even beyond that, I just think that, like, you know, the hatred and contempt for him is disgusting in and of itself. But it's, it's it, that is that's an hatred and contempt for the working class, right. you know, like that's because that's really what it is. Like he is that's what he's a vehicle for. 
And, you know, and it's so funny, you know, especially when people get all in there, all of their pseudo woke bullshit. And the bottom line is, is that pound for pound in terms of totality of an agenda, if you're lying about him or trashing him or being petty about him all the time, all you're doing is you're picking a pivotal moment in history to fight against people having health care, to fight against people having their medical debt eliminated, to fight against people having their student debt eliminated. And, you know, of course, like one, like I make no bones that, you know, everybody who's poor, I care about. I've experienced poverty. Fucking sucks. So I don't have any like, you know, poor is good enough for me. But we do also know, obviously, that when Bernie puts on the table, you know, a radical plan with, as an example, dealing with the fallout of the housing crisis that never got addressed after 2008 and, you know, huge investments in shoring up people's housing and, you know, dealing with predatory lending. One, he actually has specific parts of his housing plan that go further than anybody else in desegregating neighborhoods and ending redlining. But also that just broadly, you know, just across the board, that if you're doing serious plans for labor, health care, housing, you are addressing in a, in a significant way the systemic reality of racism because all of these things overlap so much. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I guess I'm just I'm kind of, you know, especially because I felt like especially in 2016, there actually were some moments where it was like, you know, there really were some valid criticisms of Bernie. Which as is, and I was a huge supporter then too, and I didn't take bullshit then either. But I was willing to say, "Oh, okay, like there's an area that he could, um, you know, up his game on." But I just think, like you know, now we're really in the phase where it's like between all of just the complete trash combined with like, you know, you know, just a lot of like, well, you know, when Bernie answered that question, I didn't like the way he shifted in his seat. It's like shut the fuck up, you know, like. Work to do, man, and you know, and it's obvious that uh, you know the oligarchs. I mean, within hours of the man having a blocked artery, the CEO of uh, Blackstone, I believe, who's profiting right now from burning the Amazon, said maybe Bernie shouldn't exist. <laughs> like, you know, pick what side you're on. Well, Ber- and by the way, he was answering a question. He was. It was a question about Bernie Sanders saying billionaires shouldn't exist, and he said, "Well, maybe Bernie shouldn't exist." <laughs> Whoa! Like these are the Neanderthals we're dealing with, man. I, you know, just just to put a bow on this, I, I I I just want Bernie to keep fighting. Um, what he's doing is, you know, it's foundational. It's in 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 what. What he's built, man, for, for people like Ilyan Omar or AOC or, you know, a bunch of the ascendant progressive people in the Democratic Party, it's, you know, a lot of his work has helped, like, start that. You know what I mean? So, I like, win, lose, or draw, I don't care. I understand that he just had a heart issue. I want Bernie out there fighting um, because he's fighting for the right things, quite frankly, man. Like, I like these things are <laughs> these are the most elemental things. Like, this is the point of even starting a society is so that we could help people ease the burdens of daily life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I always say it's not like people when they think of socialism, they think, oh, it's a bunch of people who want to sit on their couch all day and still fly private. And it's like, no, fam. It's just like, nah, I don't I don't want to have to go bankrupt. Because I got sick. That's it. You know, everybody wants to work hard. Everybody wants to provide for their families. Like, we all share mostly the same values. Um, And these are the things that Bernie's fighting for every day. So, you know, I wish him a speedy recovery. I'm still behind him. I'm not one of these people. Because, like, this whole elected, like, all of that electability shit, I don't believe any of it. Like, (laughs) it's hard for me to give a fuck about that when the the guy who's currently occupying that seat is occupying it. Like, this this idea of, oh, you need to be this and you need to be that age and you need to, it's like, you need to talk like this and you need to, like, get the fuck out of here. I want to hear some great ideas and I want somebody who actually can convince me that these are things that they feel deep within their soul. And, you know, obviously with Bernie Sanders, this there's no question in that. Uh, the the, the proof is in the put in. The work has been put in. So, I, and he does great against Trump in the polls. Like, it's not a leap of faith. Oh, he would. Oh God, just, just to watch Bernie and and Trump on a on a debate stage would. Oh, 
He would fish fry that man. Oh my god! Like particularly you, Donald Trump. Like you? Oh no, 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 no. He would get no, killed. I really do. I think he's. Per- I think that particular setup is perfect for Bernie. Just and you know, and you know yeah. why, Mike? Is because we had the counter example in 2016, where it's like Hillary Clinton couldn't credibly come at Trump for a lot of his flaws because guess what? You do run in a lot of those same circles and you have for years, like, let's just face it. Y'all been stupid rich for a long time now, right? It's not like y'all were poor when y'all in that white house, but like, it's just part of the deal, right? Like when you're done becoming president, you're going to make a shit ton of money. Um, however you want to do it. Like Barry's fucking producing movies and shit. Now, like he got a check from Netflix for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, him and his wife got a check, a nice check. His wife's book deal was a nice check. Like, you're going to get paid once you leave the White House. That's part of the game. And y'all left in the year 2000, and y'all spent the next decade and a half getting paid, becoming filthy, stinking rich. And so, you know, a lot of the Trump critiques, which were valid, Hillary Clinton just, she couldn't credibly lob those grenades, man. Like, people aren't stupid. People could see right through it. It's like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Weren't you just at Goldman the other day? Aren't those your homies? Didn't they contribute to your campaign? You know, like, she couldn't effectively make those criticisms because of the position that she was in as a filthy rich person and somebody who's been filthy rich and moneyed and in power circles for decades. Bernie doesn't have any of that stink. He can make, he can effectively, you know, levy those assaults on Donald Trump because he has the credibility of actually putting in the work, man, of not being a money grubbing motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? saying? Like of being a servant, a public servant of putting his shit on the line for others, for normal people. Like he actually has the stripes. You know what I mean? Like he earned that and he can make those critiques and criticisms. That's why that's why I think, you know, it's an imperative that somebody with his credibility gets in there because he's credible. Like you can say whatever you want about. All these other candidates, like the shit that Bernie's standing on, he's credible. Kamala Harris can't be credible on health care. She can't be credible on criminal justice reform because that's just not her history. Well, on health care, man, she isn't. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. She can't be because that's not who she is for real. Whereas with Bernie, there's decades. We're going back to the 70s with this shit, man. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I've worked on. This is what I've worked towards for decades, for 40 years, as you said, Mike. Um, That's why I think it's important that he wins. With you, 100% speedy recovery, all prayers, all blessings. Uh, Let's get to the crates, Wise. What do you have for the people? Dude, um, I I basically am almost done with the show Unbelievable on Netflix um, just, you know, don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's about a, a, a girl who has a, a, a crime perpetrated against her and the police just completely fuck it up. Um, and it's just about the journey of these two detectives. Like, man, just the care and empathy that they put into their work of getting justice for these women. And, um, you know, just contrasting that with what happened with the other girl, I just think it's super dope. Like, it's got a lot of heart. It's funny at times. The acting is on another level, in my opinion. This is one of the best things Netflix. Netflix is doing their thing. They put out some some shit this year. I can't even lie. Um, from Dave Chappelle to Mindhunter to this, like they've put out some some content, as they say in the biz, Mike. Um, but I would encourage everybody to go watch that show. It's tough at times. It's a tough watch. There's some heavy, 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 heavy shit going on on that show, which I respect them for not shying away from that. Um, but it's got its light moments. It's got its heartfelt moments. Um, everybody should go watch that right now. Unbelievable on Netflix. Absolutely. Um. I want to recommend that people watch Peaky Blinders. If you haven't seen it yet, excellent show available on Netflix is one of my favorite shows. I'm incredibly, I'm just the range of things that that show cover. I started watching it kind of like, Oh, this is, I mean, I like gangster shows and this is a little different, different historical, um, you know, set, I believe in post-World War one working class Britain but the way that that show is unfolded 
with, you know, uh, dealing with uh, Jewish and Russian gangsters and uh, the Bolsheviks. I mean, it's incredible history and there's really amazing acting as well as, you know, just keeping you going with, you know, what people want from those kinds of shows, which is, you know, basically sex and violence. Yeah, we know sex, violence, all of that. Well, no, I was actually really thinking of like, honestly, just like the game playing, like the kind of strategy of oh oh like the plot twist (laughs) power plays the power plays um and also i gotta say i mean tom hardy uh as alfie solomon's in that show that's not even like a main character that's one of the most intense wild powerful acting gigs i have ever seen yeah so, yeah, Peaky Blinders, and I think the new season's coming out soon. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I would go watch Peaky Blinders on Netflix. It's great. All right, that's our shows for today, y'all, man. Thank you to Anthony Mays. Thank you for my to my man, Rob Lopez, man. He does a lot behind the scenes to yes. organize us and keep this thing, this train moving. So salute to Rob Lopez for all the hard work that he puts into this thing. We love you, Rob, and thank you. Of course, Michael Brooks. One of the GOATs, killing it in the media realm. Make sure you um, join the TMB- TMBS Patreon. Uh, obviously, make sure you, you become a Count the Dings Patreon. We really appreciate the support. It helps us to do shows like this and all the other work that we do. Um, we really, we really appreciate the patrons. Um, of course, San Francisco on 1012 is sold out. It's sold out. You're just going to have to wait till next time and make sure you get your tickets early. Can't wait to see everybody in the Bay next week. I'm super excited for that. Um, of course, man, make sure you're, you're, you're subscribed to the athletic. Check me out reading, uh, check me out reading, check, check out some of my writing. (laughs) Um, and, and, um, we're rolling out a crazy slate of, audio audio content um that's going to be team focused national focused uh this upcoming nba season you guys are going to want to be in tune to that so make sure you subscribe to the athletic today um we'll see you guys next week i'm out